I'm talking to you, sassy girl. Need a little ah in your step? Try this on for size. It's pop. It tastes great. It makes you feel kind of funny. Not here. Not down there. But all up in this area. Talking pop. to be doing this podcast because i am the north to your south but mm. on other podcasts that i do on this network i'm like the south to someone's north true so it's i mean it's a very bisexual sort of vibe that, that i get here be. for my yeah. presence on here here on no so um, well, who cares about great... them i'm only talking about us so that's all that uh, well okay that, i guess you're right yeah that's a great way to start by the way um <laughs> Uh, we haven't done one of these in a while. This is Talking Pop, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. We haven't done this in a while. <clears throat> yeah, I meant to look up when the last episode was, and then I did not do that. But uh, it was probably I think about, about 18 months. Okay, sure. Six to 18 months, we'll say. All right, in, in that vicinity. Um, yeah. But we have a good reason, because we want to do another episode uh, these are, I feel like, our best episodes, honestly, our interviews. And uh, tonight, we have tapped one of our dear, close, personal friends, Rocco Martone. How are you, Rocco? I'm great. You guys both just tapped me, and I feel we amazing tapped. after tapped yeah. that S. As <laughs> you should. Yes, right. uh, one of you went north, one of you went south. I'll let everyone else decide which one went where. Mm -hmm. hey -o. Uh We should preface that... Um... Rocco has technically been on the show before Correct. in his alternate personality of Aaron George. So yes. <laughs> it's our second time talking to this, this person in their physical presence, but a, a different personality this time around. Um, I'm, I'm South George and he's North George. There you go. Consistent with our theme. Yes. So what's it like being an alternate personality, Rocco? Um, it's, it's, <laughs> I don't really have much of a personality. So just being someone oh. else's alternate personality is, disagree, is, but is okay. joyous, but I appreciate yeah, you guys I having me, you know, it's the type of thing that if you don't have a, a personality of your own, if it's helpful to invent, um, as many as you need, right. Just as a coping mechanism. <sighs> Who's got the energy for multiple personality disorder though. That seems like a very it's exhausting. I will yeah. tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need coffee and a fucking amyl nitrate, the whole thing. So when Rocco first popped up, um, we thought he was Aaron George. Is that that was my theory? Yes. Yes. 
Well, it was more of a, I mean, I, I, I kid about the, the multiple personality thing. I thought that you were just an invention of Aaron George because when Aaron did uh, his solo podcast, um, the year that was here on the North South uh, connection, this is going to be a very backhanded compliment. I'll just set it up that way. Um, he would get uh, listener feedback, right? <clears throat> and so he would read these questions on air and, and kind of go through as a discussion exercise. And um, you, Rocco, were someone who would write in frequently with um, very good, very engaging, very on-point questions that would kind of help connect and and serve as a segue to other things he wanted to talk about. It was like the questions were almost too perfect in a way right that made me think oh this is aaron just putting questions out there as like a you know it's like a tooled a narrative like because he's a pretty dramatic dude right like he mm-hmm. that's something he would do just to just to give the show some flavor and and also as as a just a, a tool to help him uh move through the show right because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's hard to do a solo podcast i've never fucking done it come on it's like, it's like, adding, it, ever. Like, like adding a Greek uh, choir, Greek <clears throat> chorus to a play, you know. Precisely. It, it serves it serves a very important purpose. And so I thought that, that that's what he was. And I, I didn't fault him for it. Or he, I didn't think he was being underhanded. I just thought, oh, okay, this is like it's an clever, Aaron thing. right? It's clever. Yeah, this is totally an Aaron thing. This guy, because it was kind of also in his voice in a way. Like you kind of, I don't know, the way the questions, it sounded like the type of question Aaron would ask, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I think I got this figured out. Um, then lo and behold, I actually talked to you and I was like, <laughs> I don't think this guy's Aaron George. So, <laughs> How long did it take you to figure? Um, I mean, I will say I probably thought that for the duration of that podcast <laughs> that Aaron did. Which was quite some time because <laughs> he started it during the pandemic, right? I mean, like yeah. right before in 2020, like right before everything, the shit hit the fan and did it throughout. I, I do think I I talked to Rocco for the first time before he had actually wrapped up that podcast. Um, so I think, yeah, we had, we had spoken and I, you know, I'd seen Rocco as well so I'm like okay clearly this is not Aaron just doing a voice um but no I mean legitimately I thought oh this is just a you know just a made up I get it well it became kind of a joke because around the same time uh JT was doing his like mailbag and Rocco would also ask a lot of questions um Mm -hmm, JT mm -hmm. in the mailbag and I was sort of helping out like organizing sort of the questions and I when I was doing that, and then Rocco's name would pop, pop up, I would be like, okay, here's Aaron's question. Oh, here's Aaron. Here's Aaron's question. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so Aaron and Justin are in on it together. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, He's really going full gimmick with this. It's funny because sure, I definitely sure. asked Justin once, like, who his favorite, like, podcast host where It's like Aaron just fishing for a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. I do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, that's when I that's when I predicted the existence of war because I said you should do a podcast with Marcus, and then lo and behold, I wished it into existence. But, mm. but yeah, so, like I, I guess I am uh, the Samuel Clemens to uh, 
Mark Twain. But, uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. That turned out to be real. The Richard Bachman. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a real person. King, I guess. I'm a real boy, just like Pinocchio. You're a real boy, mm-hmm. and you were a real fan of the Place to Be podcast for a long while, right? Oh yeah, Jesus. Uh, since the, pretty much the start. That's, That's not, insane. It was the first po- wrestling podcast I found that didn't want to make me fucking rip my dick off and shove it down my own throat and kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's like the John Report, order. fuck that. Um, Meltzer and all those assholes, fuck that. It's like, oh, these guys are funny and fun. And yeah, I don't want to murder myself at the end of it. So yeah, it was great. I found them. It's a perfect time in my life. I'd started working a job where I had a lot of like the job it required me to do no human interaction. So I just got mm. to listen to podcasts and it was great. So gosh, uh, so that would have gone back to what, 2011? Mm-hmm. 2012 perhaps uh so you were new to the internet at the time right brand new man the idea of a pod i didn't even download them i just put my computer on sometimes and just uh played them <laughs> on computer and then played i discovered computer yes and then i discovered uh, itunes and then i put them on my uh itunes actually no i used to put them on a, an old phone that an ex-girlfriend gave me and put <laughs> oh, the wow. mp3s onto that because i didn't have an ipod and Holy uh shit. and i would just listen to them now that's now. fandom right there I like that. Yeah, man. It was great. Um, it was just interesting because I didn't have a lot of friends at the time who were in, in, listening to old or watching old wrestling. or And it was just a different a way to, like, watch along again, you know, and have someone that was talking about it. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it was a much more yeah. uh, wild show back then. It had a little more personality. I always assumed Justin was, like, a five-foot-five, like, Mike and the Mad Dog, angry little contender. <laughs> dude. <laughs> Kind of like the guy in Seinfeld who gets his thumbs broken. I kind of thought he looked like that because he was always yelling and arguing and shit like that. But then uh, I only seeing... short guys yell and argue. Yeah, they usually do have a little bit of an issue. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, then I saw a picture. I'm like, oh, he's actually like a tall man. <laughs> he's he is taller than Scott. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I was like, I've said, I mentioned to Justin once that I was like, I was going to go to the wrestling thing and met WrestleMania and I just pussied out because I was like, that's too much human interaction at the time. It was a time too. Like I said, I was working at a job where I was uh, working alone a lot and I was just in a weird headspace at the time uh, personally. And uh, so I, uh, I was like, eh, I don't need to meet new people. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> that's kind of been me for the past 15 years. Well, that's, right. I was going to say, then you met Tim and you guys fell in love. So um, that, that's yeah. been a whole thing. Yeah, and he well, brought he brought a um, <laughs> misanthropy to a whole new level. I always thought I had it fucking mastered, but he fucking kicked it into the don't learn without today. even tr- without even trying. Well, um, but no, it's uh, it's just crazy to me. I just remember uh, Justin's reaction to to learning that you held out until uh, 2010 <laughs> to get on the internet because I mean some of the stories that. Justin and I will exchange. We have a lot of common ground just in terms of being somewhat early adopters of of that technology and like online fandom and especially the wrestling culture such as it was like back then and in the 90s. And I think he sort of assumed the same for you just based on your personality. So he's thinking, oh, this guy was probably on like Prodigy or or America Online or whatever in the late 90s, and you're like, uh, 2010. <laughs> it's just like, he was like, what? I got it. It pops me to this day. Just it does. his reaction. 2010. 
It's like, what's wrong with you? Be yeah, implied what's wrong with you behind it is what killed me. It might be the only like uh, head swivel double take that was captured audio on audio. You can, hear it, yes. you, can, you can hear it. Yeah, you can hear the wind whip through the fucking pod. Um, I am a Luddite, and uh, yeah, and just never. <laughs> I mean, it's still like, I'm still, I'm not, I still would, I don't know. I, I, I just never, I just didn't give a fuck. I don't, I don't know why. I just really didn't give a shit. I didn't care. You didn't need it in your life. You you had everything you needed, right? Yeah, I guess. Thought, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, you're in a band. Speaking of things that you needed in your life, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and your band is called Chain to the Dead. That's a true statement. Um, how long have you been uh, chained to the dead, so to speak? Oh, I would say uh, officially probably since uh, 15, 16, 2016. Uh, 2015 was when our first album came out. We had spent like, I don't know, we we, we recorded that pretty quickly after uh, forming, excuse me. Mm. So yeah, that was our yeah. first uh, album. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not my first band, but it's, uh, it's the best one. I was going to say, you, you've had a history of, of being in... Yeah, I've always Bands. done stuff. Ever yeah. since, I don't know, ever since I learned you could do it, I wanted to do it, and I was lucky enough to always find really talented people and more dedicated uh, to to uh, being a musician than I am people that were willing to take me along for the ride and appreciated what I could bring to the situation in a band, and uh, I've been really lucky for that. New Jersey has a huge scene of underground music and metal, so that was not that hard to find, and uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty lucky. I, I uh, I don't know. Ever since I knew you could do it, which I didn't know was a thing, like mm-hmm. I just didn't really think real people did it. You know, I, I assumed every band that I got a CD of was a famous person, not realizing that like this underground death metal band Incantation were literally from like two towns over from me. You know, and then it's like it's like oh, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that like you could be this thing. So, so, so how far? Go ahead, Jenny. No, no, go ahead. Probably same question I was, I was going to. No, ask. no, definitely I was changing tactics. So go ahead. Oh, okay. So how far back does this go? How far back was it that you realized just kind of, yeah, I'm somebody who can do this. I'm not, I don't have to be anything special. Like uh, what, when and what was your first band that you were in? Also, what do you do in the band? Oh, I uh, do the vocals in the band. Um, I do the vocals. Uh, Clearly. I'll go back even further. I saw there was a Facebook (laughs) morning. This is sorry. Yeah, right. <laughs> there was a, a band, Faith No More. They did a live concert, a live show on MTV, and I just went, "Oh, that's incredible! That's what I want to do. That's how I want to be expressive." Watching it happen, and then the guy was wearing a shirt from a band called Carcass. I went to the store, bought that album, and physically, my molecular structure changed listening to that. It was that powerful. It was that important. I was different from that moment on, and I had found something that I didn't even know I was looking for. You know, and I was into music, but. This yeah. was the thing that just changed me and blew my mind. And I, I didn't really think of making music, like I said, until like I went to like a more local show and I went, oh, that's just like a dude who works down at like fucking Stop and Shop, right? <laughs> Fuck, I didn't realize that. And when I was in high school, I used to write lyrics all the time for like death metal bands. I was obsessed with it. And me and my friend formed a band called Painful Urination. <laughs> <laughs> I did this because I had my favorite band of all time to, to this day. Well, one of them um, up there with Casey Musgraves and Van Morrison is a band called Pungent Stench. And I figured that 
if I did PA, people who are looking for punch and stench would find my band. So oh, I was tactical. Clever. I was yeah. Um, we didn't really get a CD out uh, at that time, but years later, I was working at a music store. I told some guy about my old uh, wish to have a band, and he said, "Let's do it." And he put together a couple people. One of them, who's still my drummer now, almost twenty years later, just in a different band, and yeah. uh, we just started going with Pamphlet Your Nation uh, back then. And uh, yeah, I forget the question. <laughs> no, that that answers it. So we're talking like not nine early 90s into mid 90s here is this kind of the time frame early 90s i mean i started i mean i think i bought my first death metal album in like 92 and that's when that changed yeah. and the painful your nation uh, a proper didn't start till like oh four i would say okay. and uh, there was other there was other things that didn't leave the studio or studio projects were me filling in doing you know random stuff being asked sure, to sure. do stuff filling in for someone live and uh i mean there's this, just knowing that I can make, I could conceive an album cover and a track listing and write lyrics and I could, and have a shirt that I designed with my, the band name that I thought of, like, it's something that I didn't know I could do. And there was a period where I was very um, down on the band and I was having problem with the interpersonal relationships of it. Cause it's like having three girlfriends. It's tough sometimes. And there's, <laughs> and there's male and, the, and the, but it's men, right? It's three men, mm. it's egos, it's fucking bitching, dumb shit. So I was in a low point and I would talk to this guy. It's actually this guy named Schlack. He's a wrestler and he was in a band. And I told him like, man, this, I'm kind of like fucking done. And he's like, bro, when you were a kid, you would see like a, a guy playing the music. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you do that, bro. It's fucking awesome. Don't ever forget that. And I was like, and it kind of kicked me back in the, into gear. And it really does show me that it's something I get to do that not everyone gets to do, right? Definitely. Recommitted to the music, in other words. Yeah, man. Yeah. So you don't play any instruments. Uh, I do not know. I mean, I've done stuff on. A, I've done like some keyboard uh, stuff, and uh, that you know. But I'm not. I do not know how to read music or anything like that. And I do not play anything actively. So, how did you know you could be the vocalist then? Um, I didn't. I just fucking went for it and just said like I want to do it, and I did it. And I definitely sucked at it at first. Uh, but um, dedication. How do you find you? How do you find your sound that way? It took a while. Just playing uh, shit and just fucking around? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, I mean, I fucking hate my speaking voice. So the idea of using a different voice was very cool to me, I think, for a certain period of time, you know? So using a scream or a screechy vocal or death metal vocal was, like, appealing in some ways because I didn't have to listen to my stupid voice on an answering machine anymore. I just <laughs> hear that shit. Uh, so, yeah, and I just, I mean, once I started, I didn't know if I was any good, but once I started getting feedback and people were like, bro, that's fucking sick. And I never really followed any of the, the techniques a lot of people use. So whatever I'm doing, I do it how it works best for me. And so uh, just you know, naturally. Yeah. yeah, it just pretty, people have asked me. I'm like, I just try to sound like a completely unhinged maniac and not fucking vomit while i'm doing it <laughs> so i was gonna say yeah because when i think of a you use the term death metal vocals um i mean how do you not like completely wreck your voice yes uh, great question especially doing that like it's one thing to do it for like i, I say this like i would know three but minutes I, I, like, yeah yeah or even to do it for like a show like the next day are you just like kind of fucked like can you come back from that have you learned certain techniques or ways to kind of protect your voice or prepare for that kind of um, um i have no foresight in anything i do so i definitely don't protect okay. it for the next day <laughs> yeah and definitely that last song to me every time we play our last song of the night is always me like i'm going to shred my fucking 
to body as hard as I can. I'm going to slam as hard as I can. I'm going to jump off the fucking highest thing. And people are going to remember this show for at least this last like two and a half minutes. Um, it just over time, I guess it has a, I don't know if there's a callus back there or if I just have yeah. uh, just better control over what I'm doing. So, yeah, I mean, I could do a 30 minute set and just, you know, talk to someone like, you know, just like this, the, like right immediately afterwards. And it wasn't say, always like that. It doesn't sound like your your speaking voice doesn't sound like um, rocks going through a garbage disposal. Which I would... <laughs> not yet. Is that uh, what yeah, my, is so... that what you're saying? My vocals sound like because that's a compliment. I do no, that. but I'm just saying like <laughs> I think a lot of people after they do wreck their vocals or or even like heavy smokers, right? After a while, your your voice just kind of goes to shit. Um, yeah, I wouldn't like like we're going on a little tour in a couple in a little bit, and I'm not. I wouldn't smoke a cigarette after i i probably will what the fuck am i talking I have <laughs> you, you walked that back so i bad. have zero self-control like, but it's like but i'm probably not gonna stay up all night doing blow i'm probably not gonna be fucking sure. chain smoking by but i'm not gonna say no to a party so um it, but i'll be a little more responsible a little more responsible yeah um so okay so chain from the dead 2016 to the dead for the record what did I say? From the dead? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said that. Um, I guess back from the dead. Uh, so, Chain to the Dead. Since 2016, same drummer you've had for like 20 years now. Uh, how did the other guys come about? Just from other bands in the intervening years? or Yeah, just accumulating friends. Kind of in, yeah, accumulating friends in the scene. My guitar player, Steve, he's like a tight, he's one of my besties in the world and uh mm-hmm. he just was uh left a project and i didn't have anything going on for a brief period of time he said let's try this and let's get joe involved and then you know eventually we found the bass player um yeah and, who was uh, also in the band who was also in the band <laughs> um, but yeah it, it just kind of that's how it kind of works I mean, we've been lucky like we've had no changes or anything like that and that's very common for changes to happen in, in these in these scenes or someone oh, steps man. in some style. But we've often said, like, if we if one of us is going to bounce, then it's probably just going to end and just start something new. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, that's kind of how I feel about podcasts sometimes. But <laughs> a lot of that you? stuff is... Well, I know, right? But a lot of it is, is outside of my control. So, um, But yeah, that's awesome. How many, how many albums now are you guys up to? Like, are we talking... Do you do, like, the full length sometimes like an ep every yeah, we did a full like a, a full we did a split ep uh split, we did another, yeah. another full right before the pandemic and the pandemic uh kind of fucked us a little bit we had some issues with mm-hmm. uh people getting sick uh some people just the you know pandemic stuff so kind of derailed us and uh, we just recorded a new ep six songs it's going to be part of a trilogy of eps and uh, that's going to be coming out in a couple months trilogy of eps i like that Gonna have a uh, a uniting theme there. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm not even want to get into it. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of just get into it. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting. You'll you'll see. I mean, all of our shit's based on horror movies and some wrestling, mm-hmm. so it's um it's all just kind of based on that. But I grouped them by like a psych- psychosexual, cannibalistic animal. Yeah, you'll see. You'll see. I'm fucking into <laughs> it. No, I'm fucking into it. I, I, I like your cannibalistic phase, although you know your your psychosexual stuff is pretty <laughs> underrated. I must say, the uh, oh, that's our Cronenbergian period, and then we have our well, uh, you know, the, your um, Joe D'Amato, your Italian body horror. horror. <laughs> yeah, the body horrors where you guys really peaked. I have to say, <laughs> oh man, 
So you uh, guys are many... all horror fans? No, I kind of just took the reins of all that bullshit. <laughs> uh, it's mine. I, I can't have anyone else have any control of uh, that shit you like that. Forced it in on them. Nah, it's all me. I can't. I can't. I'm, I'm not good at acquiescing. <laughs> so they're good with just letting you do that. Yeah, it's kind of my. You know, it's kind of. Well, most of the time, uh, a weed singer will be the. Uh, I hate that word. A vocalist of a band will you know write all the lyrics and just control all that shit. Mm. And I like to do the visual stuff because eh, no one else really cares that much. They like to play the instruments. They're not so much worried about. Yeah, yeah, and I just what being said, right? Yeah, and to me, like being a kid, you want to do an album, like the cover and all that shit. That's that's the shit, right? That's the that's the cool part. So I get to do that stuff, and I like that. And Um, you've also done movies, right? (laughs) I did have a a brief career doing movies. I uh, that was around uh, '04. Uh, doing some New Jersey independent, uh, some horror, a lot of weird comedies. There's a guy named Bill Zabub. He's a big, he was a, he had a death metal magazine at one point that I wrote for. And uh, he was uh, shooting in the area and said, hey, you want to come hang out and do it? And uh, yeah, so I shot, I don't know, maybe that was what, fuck. Uh, that was maybe like five years of doing that. Made about like 10 movies. Uh, a lot of it, like and a lot of in front of the camera stuff, just because it's like the body, you just need bodies. And mm-hmm. uh, I was able to m- memorize lines, even though I was a complete alcoholic at the time. But I did a lot of stuff of like coordinating and getting actresses and uh, booking them and setting that kind of aspect up because I was the only friend he had that wasn't a complete creep and could actually be around like a naked lady and not <laughs> stare at her and be a fucking complete scumbag. So I, that kind of became my shot. To, uh... um, so what's the name of these movies? Oh, I was in a movie called Stereotypes. Uh, I was in a movie called uh, Ass Monster, the making of a horror movie. It's about two guys who who decide to make a movie called Ass Monster because it makes people searching for porn and people searching for horror movies. They'll find our movie. And that's literally about, like, that was taken directly from our experiences of shooting independent underground movies. So like a lot of that shit happens. A lot of that's just based on life and, I mean, that's a lot of stuff with my friend. He's very, he was very good at like hearing people's stories and, and, and uh, uh, interplay, uh, putting them into movies, extrapolating what he needed from the story and putting it into a movie that he would use the scene for. Like there was a movie called Bad Acid that I was in. Uh, funnily enough, I fell off a mountain and broke my ankle shooting this movie because I threw a dummy Ooh. off of a mountain. And I, <laughs> I thought I could rappel down the side of the mountain and retrieve it for the second take. I misjudged the... <laughs> I misjudged the angle of the mountain, uh, slipped, fell, uh, bounced down the mountain. My friend, unfortunately, did not film it, but uh, I broke my ankle, I broke my hand, and uh, um, just kind of bounced. Uh, my friend was literally like, oh, we thought you were, I thought you were just dead. I thought this was the end of you. <laughs> and I just kind of. Well, that's a wrap. Yeah, Rock's dead. Uh, let me get the fuck out of here and uh, pretend like I wasn't part of this fucking goddamn massacre. This manslaughter. They were going to leave your ass. Yeah. You're yelling, I'm still alive, fuckers. <laughs> Please. Hell. The fucking weeds, motherfucker. <laughs> no, I drove home with a broken ankle. I fucking spent three uh, days with it, just getting blacker and bigger until I, uh, my yeah. girlfriend at the time was like, you need to go to the goddamn hospital. I'm like, I ain't going to a fucking hospital. I'm going to a hospital once and I ain't coming out. I'll go to the Amedia Center and... uh the guy was like, yeah, here, go to this orthopedic. And the dude fucking put a little cast on me and it was fine. Uh, he did tell me it was very close to getting an infection. But anyway, um, but that was Ass Monster. So like 
I had once I had this story of uh, me and my friend Steve did acid one night and it was really hot out and we were smoking a joint and like our liquid fingers were killing the joint. It was just a long night. He was at my house. It was like, God, I, my mom was still alive. I was young. And uh, we just partied and threw beer cans everywhere. It was fucking nuts. And I was like, bro, my mom's coming home tomorrow. She was away for the weekend. And in my brain, my house was on fire, right? <laughs> like, I look at my house, and I'm like, everything's on fire. There's beer everywhere. I think my cat's gone. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. I was like, bro, I need you to help me clean this shit up. My mom's going to be home in like four hours. He's like, yeah, bro, whatever, whatever. I had to work the next morning, too. So <laughs> What? Yeah. So he literally... It was like no problem. So we were in the backyard of my house. He literally left the went into the back door of my house, walked through my house, out the front door, into his car. <laughs> as he told me he was going to get a garbage bag to help clean up. Um, Jesus. Gets in my car, gets in his car, drives across my front lawn, does a spin out, and proceeds to drive to his house. <laughs> and I wow. am losing my fucking goddamn mind. I am like, what the fuck? All right, I gotta take care of this. I gotta go to work. I'm fucking tripping balls. I call his house, his roommates at the time. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, guys, I don't want you. I want you to know everything's fine. I got it all. These guys have no idea what I was dealing with. <laughs> I just happened to call them. And I'm like, dude, everything's fine. I got everything cleaned up. And, uh, you know, they're like, dude, not everything's not fine here. Steve just got arrested. <laughs> I'm like, what happened? Whoa. Well, he came home tripping at balls. I mean, he drove like we used to drive blind drunk all the time back there. Drove a half hour home, goes to take a shit. Flushes a thousand times, floods his entire apartment, floods his basement <laughs> underneath, right? He's covered in not his basement, his neighbor underneath, right? The shit. He there's shit like a shit like in that the, the poster for Sinister. It's just a, a finger trail of shit down the hallway. He's covered in shit. He's buck naked. He gets into my friend Frank's bed with Frank and his girlfriend, <laughs> covered in shit. <laughs> Oh um, my god, Frank! Frank is like, "Holy fuck, what is happening?" And he's like, "Oh no, I don't know." So they they try to figure that shit out. They're they're all fine. Um, but then the landlord's knocking on the, the base. The guy underneath is knocking on the door. My friend Steve is buck naked, covering shit, screaming at this guy to go fuck himself. Um, so of course the cops were called, and this is when and he gets taken out of there. And this is when I call up, and I'm like, you "Guys, don't worry, everything's cool." Uh, cool. <laughs> I cleaned up the garbage cans and my uh, my mom's not going to be pissed when she comes home. And they're like, Steve's arrested. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Uh, and he was so fucked up, he couldn't even like hold the, the little sign to get his picture taken. They had to like flip it on <laughs> and try like that. Oh, Lord. I had to go pick him up the next day. Um, and then I went to work. <laughs> and my oh, boss my had God. thrown out his back and he got out of his car and he's walking all weird. And I'm like, wait, I know I'm high, but. Oh shit! And then I just stared at the window, the mirror in my bathroom at work, and I was—I thought it was purple, and I thought every guy that walked in with a beard and long hair, I was like, that guy's me in twenty years. Anyway, <laughs> so, so this is so my friend, because, Steve, yeah. So my friend Bill put that in a movie. That's great, though, because I mean, first of all, it's a great story, but yes. it's one of those like when you think that you have had one of the worst nights of your life, uh, certainly the worst night of anyone else who was present for that night and yet the, the whoever you thought you know bailed early and and pretty much got away with whatever they're doing they end up getting the shit into the stick quite literally <laughs> and you know on top of that you've got to work the next day you're thinking you're going to be fucked but your boss apparently had a pretty bad night too if he's um 
you know, lumberjacking around first thing in the morning, getting out of his car, like it's just and he did and he did choose that day to show me the uh cache of empty beer bottles that I had been slamming at work uh secretly oh. and stashed uh, there, so there was a basement that had uh, sheetrock <clears throat> and it was split in half. So just imagine a sheetrock on both sides, but in the middle was like a traditional wall and there was a crack in it and I would just fill it with all my empties. Um, apparently someone, someone was someone stacking a it. box, hit the fucking wall. The wall popped out and just a fucking cavalcade of fucking <laughs> oh, beer cans man. and minis and empties and just poured out. And this, so how was that tied back to you? Well, I was uh, pretty obviously the culprit. As my friend Carl <laughs> texted me yesterday, um, I went to a comic book store and the guy behind the counter smelled so much like vodka. It reminded me of you when we used to work together at Bertelli's. So, <laughs> wow. I thought I hit it really well with a stick of big red and, uh, you know, a fucking spraying a little uh, Lysol on my my shirt. But I apparently was very obvious a fucking complete maniac. Are you telling me they're lying to us when they say that, that vodka is, is clear and odorless and undetectable? Yeah, uh, 90210 and their goddamn watermelon is a bunch of bullshit. I'll tell you that. Yeah, right it now. is a bunch of bullshit. I did try to do that one time. It did not work. <laughs> So, but, um, all right. Oh, so, so, sorry. so, yeah, so movie, Bad Acid, that was one. Uh, Jesus, the Total Douchebag is uh, another one I was in. Okay. I remember that's you talking a classic. about classic. Yeah. Yeah. That's about Jesus's twin brother who comes out and starts doing bad shit and blaming Jesus for it. Um, <laughs> I watch it uh, over Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it's, I believe it's about, uh, uh, it's cause, uh, it's, <laughs> I'm not going to get into the plot. This might upset some people. Um, um, yeah, the Crucifier was a straight horror movie. Uh, couple, uh, Kill the Scream Queen was a straight horror movie. That did I you die in. in the horror movies? I did. I did die in one called Jesus Christ Serial Rapist. Um, <laughs> it's about a dude who is not Jesus, but he's uh, schizophrenic and he thinks he's Jesus. So, it, uh, but it was a very salacious title that would sell like blockbuster at fucking horror conventions, dude. They could not keep mm. it on the fucking table. But I mean, and then at certain points, I took a little bit of a, uh, oh, Spooked is one. Uh, the worst horror movie ever made was another one that was pretty, uh, was out there. Um, but yeah, the best I'm part. I'm look you up on IMDb because I know that's what you love to do. Uh, oh, there is a page. It doesn't have any of the producing stuff I was did, but it has like pretty much most of the stuff that I was uh, acting in. But I mean, these were just me and my buddy and just like, it was, it was the most fun like time and. You used to do go to horror conventions and shit, and people asking for your autograph, which is still weird when people ask for your autograph, just because I'm like I'm in a very small death metal band, but it's like mm. all right, I appreciate the uh, the the sentiment. But horror conventions were great because like you get to go early and like I'm we're setting up, we're part of the in crowd, you know. So like, hey, Tom yeah. Savini, he just come over and you're bullshit with Tom Savini and D Wallace, and you know it was always really cool, and you know hanging out with you know beautiful actresses and scream queens was you know kind of a plus when you're. A, 20 year old dude i can imagine and these sound like the types of titles that even like troma would sort of be like mm, i don't know it seems a bit much <laughs> yeah my buddy was a uh, provocateur to say the least and uh he's still going he's uh living somewhere else he's still doing shit at a, a fucking high level and cranking them out and you know i was happy for my time there i actually met a girl on one of the sets that i dated for many years i uh that met a girl on one of the sets that I dated for about 15 minutes. Um, so I had a lot of fun 
doing it like an actual 15 minutes and, you were uh, judas and jesus christ serial rapist that is correct he thought i was his uh his enemy. <laughs> we filmed that in my apartment in montclair new jersey second floor apartment you know you can't have an air conditioner on it's like a heat wave in new jersey my buddy decides to light like 100 candles are on the floor oh, God. and uh the girl's buck naked she's fine me and him, he's wearing a fucking sweater jacket. I'm wearing a fucking shirt and jeans. Uh, the makeup is sweating off my body. Um, he had, like I think, a heat stroke at one point. He started talking in fucking uh, foreign languages and shit. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, but that was... Uh, that's well, it's because the movie was so sacrilegious. It was, I mean, they were trying to teach him a lesson, I guess. Yeah, yeah, too. Jesus <laughs> just took hold of him, yeah. yeah just man. to be clear, they're not porn movies. No, they're there's just... not a porn aspect okay. to it. They're filled with boobs. This is a different time of like the horror conventions were just constantly filled with scream queens and mm. things like Tits, you know, yeah. yeah, and like every table would just have a girl there just to show their you know, just to get dudes there. I saw some crazy shit with some of these girls, and like a part of your job, you put a girl at your table, she helps get people there, but then there's creeps asking her. One of the most the most popular things is guys would ask them, they would be like, Can I you choke me? So these girls would be like, Well, okay, but they would do it right at the table. Sure. So it's like, this guy would be like, yeah, just choke me for like a few minutes for like a hundred bucks. And then she'd do it. And then a hundred like, bucks. Hell yeah, yeah. I ain't joking, motherfucker. And then I'd be like, all right, motherfucker, move on. Get the fuck out of here. It's like, you know, a little bodyguard action, a little, you know, but it was, it was fun. <laughs> it was a really fun time. You got the backstage I mean, pass yeah. going in and out. What's a little light BDSM in a right. controlled and, environment. And, and he had a horror, he had a metal magazine at the time. So like, he knew a lot of bands, so we used to go to shows for free. Anytime I went to a show, he would always sell his movies at shows and stuff in the city and in New Jersey. So I'd go to a show. People would come up. I have a line in one of the movies where I say, um, I like my bacon. Is it? I have a whole thing about a sandwich where I want my bacon crispy. So one time I'm taking a leak at a show. It was a fucking uh, Opus show, I think. And some dude was like, hey, bro, you like your bacon crispy? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, dude? What do you say? He's like, you like your bacon crisp? I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck is going on right now. He's like, stereotypes. I'm like, oh, fuck, yes. Okay, sure, yes. Holy fuck, dude. And then, you know, then you get bought drinks and shit like that. And, uh, yeah, it's always fun. I mean, I still get recognized from those things to this fucking day, man. God, that's nuts. We 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 need these, these films to be brought to a wider audience. I, I think they need to show some of these on uh The Last Drive In. It sounds like <laughs> I mean they are right very, up there early. Very low budget. Um well I think um, that show is pretty low budget. They can't afford but but so much, right? I mean <laughs> I think we need to write Joe Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, hey, we'll see one day. I mean he I mean I know that he has met him and uh they both are in Texas, I believe, right now. So one I mean, if they can show something as bad as things, come on. Like, I'm sure yeah. your movies, well, things your is movies more of, were better uh, than that. Come on. Uh, things is more of just like a thing of its time. That was like one of the top of that shot on video horror. This is, there was a lot of this stuff going on. I mean, he, my buddy was one of the few guys making comedies, though. Everyone else is always like horror movies, like, because it's so easy mm. and cheap. But he would do like actual comedies with, yeah. So, well, you know what? Given enough years, they'll say that those films were also of their time and they'll That's be. Good. They'll be uh, just as popular, if not more. I mean, there was a certain, I don't know, a certain pulchritude to how that scene at that time, it just really was, everything just worked. It was really nice. It was just, everything was, like, really, like, cohesive and 
It was like when we had a monoculture and things in that scene were really tight. And it was right. It was before Walking Dead. So it was really uh, underground still. Yeah. It was before those conventions became super big. So it, it was really neat. It was it was a really cool uh, time to go. I'll tell you that. Okay. Do you uh, still do a bit of acting on the side? Um, I try to act like a human every day and it fails. I'm fucking miserable. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Pretty good otherwise. Okay. Um, so it sounds like during this time in your life, things were, um, shall we say, a little bit unsettled in terms of, I don't know, I think of uh, doing shitloads of acid and getting blind drunk um, on like a work night as um, something that's kind of hard to do day after day. At least it would be for me. Um I mean, was there a certain point where you like felt like you had to quit doing that, or did something happen to make you stop doing that? Like, when did you reach a point where you're like, maybe this isn't so sustainable, or or did you? I mean, I mean, I stopped having yeah. to get up for work a while ago when I stopped working. <laughs> That's probably when it's. <laughs> I mean, still, like even up until a year ago, I'd still get those. I mean, I would play shows. Uh, and try to go to work. I mean, I worked overnight, so I would go to shows and play and then, you know, I can do the thing I was going to do, show up to work at three in the morning and, you know, so uh, it definitely, I don't know. I don't like being told what to do. And I feel like you telling me I can't show up to work fucked up. It's definitely uh, uh, telling me what to do, but um, I don't know, man. I'm not one to think of uh, ramifications, especially back then. Listen, uh, ever since I met my wife, yes, things have been a lot different. I've been a lot more chill. I don't want. I wondered that if up. Uh, that might have a little bit to do with it. Yeah, I, I don't want to fuck that up. So mm-hmm. um, uh, that's probably the, the the main reason that that stuff doesn't really happen anymore. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was insane the amount of ability to just keep that pace up that I had back then to just keep going and it's um i really hesitate to use a wrestling analogy as you know i i famously hate wrestling but um so much it's a it's a almost a rick flarian uh constitution it sounds like you were were yeah i mean and i i fucking i i dodged the bullet many times of like you know i mean drug deals gone bad uh going to Nork or East Orange and just um, shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, there was this one time I remember I went to a prom. I guess I was like 19 or 20. And my girlfriend at the time was in high school. And I had an issue with her boyfriend that was there, her ex-boyfriend. So I kind of, I took a, a, a rocks glass. I mean, it was filled with Coke. And I smashed it against the table. Damn. To prove this guy that he should not have dated my girlfriend before I knew who she was alive. Cause that's how young, cause that's how the teenage boys think. Cause we're fucking idiots. So I stared at this guy. He's like, this is for you. Whatever I said. And then I get taken out of there. My finger exploded. There was goo coming out of it and whatever that whole night we went to the city with this giant wound on my finger. I didn't get it fixed. And a couple of days later we go to get some Coke and East orange. And this was a weird deal. Like sometimes you'd go get drugs and you could tell these people that you are trying to, uh, ask the question of do you have drugs or not happy that you are there to ask that question. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it just would be a crazy night. And this one dude was not happy with us. I don't know what it was, but he was giving us a lot of shit. Another dude comes from the side on my, I was in the passenger side, my buddy's driving. One dude starts 
like screaming at my buddy through his window. So I get the Coke from this dude and he won't, he won't open his hand fully. And I'm trying to get it out. And I have, my friend Steve has the money in his hand. So one dude has the money pulling Steve over me. The other dude has the handful of vials and I'm trying to dig them out of his hand. And Steve's like, I'm not fucking letting go. Do you get that shit? And I was like, I'm, I'm fucking trying. And the dude takes his finger and sticks it onto this Band-Aid that I had. That literally the adipose tissue was coming out of my finger. And he just takes his thumb and he sticks it in this thing. And I don't know, man. Like, it's one of those pains that, you know, it starts in your finger and it goes right out your asshole. And I was in so much pain. I got him out. I go, I got him. My buddy just slams on the fucking brakes and goes, right? And just cars, people are throwing bottles at us. It was just a rough night. We got back to our house and told our friends, go get your own shit. We worked for this shit tonight. But uh, stuff like that would happen. And it didn't even shock my brain at that point. Like the next day when I'm like walking around work, like that's what I did last night. (laughs) Like, and it just kind of didn't really, I don't know. I just kind of, it's, it's exciting at least, you know, like I don't really know. It was never, it was not a thing where I would hole up in my house and just do drugs for fucking three days straight. Um, It was every night we just go out and uh, you know, Sometimes the, the euphemism party is used. Like, you, you want to party, party. That's you just want, yeah, it's, it's kind of kind of downplaying what's really going on, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. But yeah, like the party kind mm-hmm. of ends at certain points and it just becomes this teeth grinding uh, late night fucking chat fest with your friend. I used to have a blind friend who would always drop the coke because he was blind and he couldn't do it. So we oh just drop God. it everywhere. But anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really know what the question was, but it does just become, it was just, <laughs> just a thing. It was just a thing that I, I did, but like I had a job the whole time. I had girlfriends, the entirety of all this stuff. I, right. They were, they were all girls that did not do any of this stuff. They were just normal, cute girls that I dated and I had a full-time job and, um, I was just able to, I was one of those people that was able to do it and maintain a, a level of, uh, just keeping, I mean, it, I mean, I wasn't, I, it, it helps to schmooze, it helps to be a schmoozer at your job and you kind of get away with stuff. If you have like a certain mm-hmm. level of like alacrity and you can mm-hmm. let everyone just go, we're happy Rocco's here. And it doesn't really matter. He shows up a couple hours late <laughs> with a, gate, with, with a well. Gatorade and slams it and he's sweating profusely, but you know, <laughs> it smells like vodka <laughs> out of his goddamn pores. Yeah. Sleeps up in the attic. Yeah. Yes. I used to have a friend Jenny who used to love when I would come to work late and she'd be like, oh, come here, I want to smell the whiskey on you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Give me a big hug. Yeah, she'd be like, Oh, I could smell it on you. It smells so good. Well, <laughs> well no, it's crazy. It's, it's like some people live that you know, live hard, so to speak, like in their youth, and like you hear the kind of typical, I don't want to say typical, but sort of the, the intervention story where it's like they they spiral and hit like a rock bottom and have to go a little have to go away for a little while to deal with their problems you know i mean it is axiomatic that it will get to you it will take you out eventually right like mm-hmm. if you keep going at the high level and you could i guess if you're famous you know but if you're waking up to go to work like that like listen if i didn't stop 10 years ago i'm fucking methuselah now dude i would have fucking fucking fallen apart i'm sure but yeah like, I don't it's know. just weird though the the guys that I don't know. There's almost it doesn't get talked about as much the the people who do that for just years and years and years, and then 
it's like there's just an off switch at a certain point where you're like, yeah, I'm kind of not so into that anymore. And it's not even necessarily so much about I don't want to do those things, but my body is like, eh, not really into it. I'm not even, there's not even like a physical addiction aspect here. It's just like it, it, it whatever it is that compelled you to do that stuff just kind of turns off i don't know if that's like a genetic thing or a i think it could just also thing or yeah it could could be um getting over some of my bullshit um feeling happy and not uh uh, that i ever didn't feel happy but yeah i don't really know it's a good it's a good question as to why that was a thing that Mm -hmm. i was just compelled to do i mean it could just be genetic right am i just it could just be a lack it was of, fucking fun wondering. man it was fun well, it was yeah it. it definitely was you know and there listen there was definitely times where the party wasn't happening and i was like whatever i'm just gonna get a bottle of vodka and slam it in my fucking apartment by myself and that definitely happened too but you know those you know but those were times too where it was like at the time, it's like, well, I'm going to watch fucking Taxi Driver and then fucking read this Raymond Carver novel. And hopefully, you know, at the end of the night, like, fucking, I, I've been happy and, and listen, to, listen to some music and shit, you know, yep. get fucking high. Like, it never really seemed like uh, it didn't. I mean, I'm not going to say it didn't affect my personal life because there you can only get away with that bullshit enough. I can remember mm-hmm. one time going to uh, I was supposed to go to a Monday Night Raw with a friend of mine and uh, my girlfriend's um uh, nephew and I showed up. I, I didn't have to work that day, so I fucking I drank a fucking like I went to my friend's for his lunch break and I, we drank a fucking gallon of fucking Carlo Rossi and I was fucking lit. I show up at the house to fucking with this go, go to the net with the nephew to Monday Night oh, Raw yeah. and she was not having it. Um, <laughs> uh, freaked out. She's like, Don't make me call the cops. And it, there was no violence or anything. And I'm like, fucking call the cops i don't care so i fucking uh i took my weed out of my pocket i stuck it in my tailpipe of my truck and i start i stood on the porch and we argued until the cops came the cops picked me up and uh because cops are so good at their job they're like where do you live i'm like bloomfield they, this is in montclair the next town over they drove me over the line first street in bloomfield and said bye <laughs> get out nice yeah. i mean they searched me and i didn't have my weed on me i called my buddy i said hey and it was far it was not that it wasn't far but it was they did no effort called my buddy yeah. i said yo man you got to pick me up he comes and picks me up like where are we going i'm like we're going back to finish this argument <laughs> oh my god and, no. uh, Jesus. and then we got out of there so like it catches up on you sometimes like shit i remember one time fucking getting hammered at this bar this guy remember those you know those jägermeister fucking machines oh my god these were like very new right my but yeah my buddy grubbis uh, one of my favorite people on the planet he was a very good schmoozer and he smooth he was friendly with this bartender bartender turns the machine and goes you guys this is new you guys figure it out just drink whatever like fuck so we just drank fucking uh jaeger all night long um the rest of this evening is going to be filled in from other people in that I had a Chevy Lumina van and apparently the night ended where we were all hanging out, having a good time. I put my friend Grubbis in a tombstone pile driver off the roof of my car onto the windshield. Uh, The windshield of a Chevy Lumina van is very big. Uh, Spider webbed it. Everyone went, we've got to get the fuck out of here. Everyone left. Me and him (laughs) fell asleep next to my van, woke up in the morning. We're both covered in dirt, debris, all sorts of shit. Um, it was my girlfriend at the time's niece's christening the next day. 
And I had to drive home. I took a shower, drove to her house. She's like, where you been? What's going on? I'm like, it's fine. I, 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 just, I just overslept a little bit. She's like, you have sticks in your hair. <laughs> I was like, what? I took a shower. I was wasted. Have you been fucking a bunch of trees all night? Yes. What's oh, and on? also when we woke up on the side of the, the road, we get into my van and the entire windshield is spiderwebbed. And me and my friend Grove yeah. just looked at each other and went, well, we got to figure out what happened there, huh? <laughs> We called Jesus my friend. Man. They're like, "Oh yeah, you pile drive grub this through the windshield," and uh, we all fucking took off and told you guys. Well, immediately off. in my head, I'm I'm thinking and I'm picturing the mechanics of a tombstone pile driver, and uh, I have to ask: did, did you guys wake up in like a '69 position? <laughs> kind of, no, like, no, no. We were more driver. we were more of a spoon. Uh, sure, you did. No, we were spooning. Spooning. Okay, that's that's nice. Very serene at the end mm -hmm. of a violent night. Yes. Yeah. He once lived in an apartment in Patterson, New Jersey, where the roof got ripped off during a fucking storm. And the landlord said, I'm not going to fix it, but if you want to live here, I'll put up a tarp. And they lived oh there for God. like eight to 10 more months with just a blue tarp as a roof on their apartment. Jesus. That's, yeah, that was nuts. A, That's nuts even for me. Yeah, Jeez. that was a fun house. <laughs> oh, my falling down house. Um, so, I, I mean, it begs the question, right? That. Back then, uh, was anything off limits for you? Is there anything uh, you're like, eh, I'm not going to touch that, right? You mean drug-wise or just wife-wise? I, I guess both, really. Well, not really. I mean, like, the most horrible things in the world were, uh, well, well, there was some shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess not really. I mean, when, you, when you're when you in a, a back of a van with a guy with a shotgun, and he, they're like, we're going to go fucking find the drug dealer that sold us bad drugs, and you're just like, wow. Mm -hmm. Made a poor choice getting into this van. So that was, <laughs> like, that I probably, might be witness to a murder. Yeah, that probably wasn't my favorite day in the world. But, uh -huh. you know, everything got run up. That was by a drug dealer named Joe who had an entire Jesus tattooed from, like, literally the back of his head was Jesus's face. His arms had Jesus's arms. His back had Jesus's oh. back. It was insane. He once showed was up. Was that hot a, Jesus? I mean, his stomach was tight because it was his back, you know, nice. so it kind of went in. Um, yeah. His dick was just an asshole, yeah. though, I guess. So that's not the best. <laughs> oh, wow. No, it actually ended. It, it, ended, it ended at the waist. But... <laughs> this guy once showed up at our apartment with a girl. He's like, I need your bathroom. And he just took a girl into the bathroom and just started throwing, like, cold water on her. We're like, dude, what the fuck? Is that? <laughs> fuck. You're a very intrusive drug dealer. Like, we didn't even <laughs> order anything today, but... He was the drug dealer that wanted to be the friend. <laughs> you know, recently I saw Jake the Snake Roberts give a little talk and tell some stories, and I wondered often how this man was still alive, and mm. I'm having that same feeling. Tonight. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes your heart, when you do a little too much of uh, some drugs, your your heart can hit a level where you do get scared of it. Uh, exploding in your body. The first time I ever smoked uh, coke, uh, this guy told me he's like he put he put on fucking uh, wrapped around your finger by the police. I mean, I was like 15, so I don't even know how I remember that. His name, was, his name was Adam McDonald, and he's like, bro, he's like, and he was like, this is how you do it, bro. You take it during a good part of the song, and you exhale during like and the, the good, and, you know, like you hold it in. He's like, but don't hold it too long, your heart will explode. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I did like four hits already. You didn't tell me that was a fucking option, dude. Oh Jesus fucking Christ. 
Now I'm like, all right, I'm gonna listen to some songs with some really real short songs if I'm gonna be holding this shit in too long, you motherfucker. But my god. Um well, I mean, the, the byproduct of this is obviously, you know, you grew up in a stable, safe environment, I'm sure, right? <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, very validating. Sounds totally adjusted. Um, uh-huh. yeah. uh, you know, 50% was pretty good. <laughs> 50% of it. Yeah. That's a solid percent. Uh, yes, it did wonders. Uh, I mean, if that 50% is, you know, working and dealing with their own... Uh, life and personal stuff and being a child of trauma as well and working through that stuff and also you know you know dies before you're <laughs> like a mature man it kind of doesn't you know it kind of can put you on a weird path i guess eventually right no obviously doubt. obviously <laughs> obviously is what I, answer. I mean it was a weird thing where i look at some people and like drugs and, and booze in my house were treated like I remember there was weed found once in my house and it was treated like I had, you know, I was the one who had, um, I don't know, shot JFK. Like um, (laughs) my mother once found a bowl. Me and my friend Steve were smoking. We went, we got high in the backyard. We thought my mom wasn't awake. We were like, you know, 16, 17. And we were like, let's go get Taco Bell. So we go to get Taco Bell. We come back and all the beers we had that we were going to drink were emptied and they were on top of the picnic table. And he's like, bro, my hat is fucked up. And he opens his hat and it was his bowl. My mother had taken mm. his bowl and smashed it with a hammer to bits. <laughs> and I just was like, shit. He's like, I'll leave the Taco Bell with you because your night, nice night seems rough. Because <laughs> my mom was just sitting there smoking a Benson and Hedges mental hundred. And, you know, she fucking was kicking me out and, uh, you know, told me like, you know, this, I don't know. It was always a thing. So drugs were treated so insanely that. Whatever my personality was, I went, that's all you're making me do is want it so goddamn bad. Mm. And yeah, I, I was going to say. I will like, not be told no. So I, sp- I was like, I spent a lot of my life being pushed around, I felt like. And I, I, I was like, I'm not going to deal with that bullshit. So, like, you can't tell me no for anything. When I say pushed around, I don't mean, like, by schoolmates. I mean more by, like, a parental figure. And mm. I was just like, f- and <laughs> sisterly figure. And I was just like, fuck that. Don't tell me no because I'm just going to do it a million times. And I, I just think that is the basis for a lot of this where I just feel like it's a fucking, it's a no to everything. It's a fuck you to how people want to live and how normal people do things. And from the music I listen to, to I guess some people have told me I have strange takes on on things. But I just don't like the idea of the uh, conformity that is uh, foisted upon people sometimes. And I, I, I refuse. It, it bores me. And I think that goes to just, listen, it's, uh, getting out of work. I got to be at work at 8 in the morning. I'll do the cocaine math. And the cocaine math always comes out in your favor. Um, <laughs> we could go back one more time. We'll be asleep by 5. I'll get two hours sleep and I'll be good for work. So does any of this have any bearing on your own impending fatherhood? Uh, the, no, no, I don't think so. I think it's, um, that is just, it's one of those things where people have asked if I'm nervous or any of that stuff. And it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, you don't want to do something, you don't want to do it. But like the, in the grand scheme, one time we were going to play a show. It was one of the biggest shows we ever played. I was nervous as fuck. It's couple it was it was a lot a lot of people there it was a big show and i'm like fuck i'm losing my mind i'm going to my buddy i'm like dude I, I i can't do this i'm fucking freaking out he's like he's like listen it's happening either way so you could freak out or 
not. <laughs> Pretty much as simple as that. So I just went, that's a good way to look at it. And it's just kind of that thing where the fatherhood is just like, it's coming and it's just going to be something I deal with. Um, I'm glad I'm not that person anymore that mm -hmm. I can feel safe and comfortable that I am, a, a, you know, not a reckless. I mean, I say I'm not reckless, but I'm still doing, rec I still do reckless things. You know, any friend of mine that knows me is like, we're going to a place with a pool. So you do not jump off the roof of the house. You do not jump <laughs> off the railings. You, you know, like I am still warned quite frequently by most people I know if there's something like that, that they know I will do it. They know I will be doing it. It does not require drugs or booze or anything. It is just a drive that I have that I just feel, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm assuming my child is going to be an insane amount of karma <laughs> dealt onto me. A hundred percent. For uh, wow. whatever my mother had to deal with for the years of my teens that she dealt with that insanity. And I didn't know what the fuck to do with me. But well, I'm assuming it's going to be more, hopefully it'll be more when he's young and, and just wears me the fuck out since I'm an old man having a child. Yeah. And maybe he'll just be a pussy when he's a teen. If the types of things that you do nowadays are extreme as compared to just other people, that's one thing. They don't compare to you and you're at your most extreme, right? I think if, if you can say that, then maybe that's, I don't want to say progress, but change, certainly <laughs> evidence of change. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it wasn't like, I didn't need, I didn't need like drugs to do like, whatever like strange and like whatever the fuck you were I always wanted. weird it just was always a yeah it was just always like a insane thing where i just be like you know what is this thing what is this fucking flesh suit that i'm wearing and why does it seem not to I fucking every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah why doesn't it seem to match all the other ones but like yeah i don't know so you don't like so you don't like being told what to do are you going to be able to enforce things on people who also don't want to be told what to do? <laughs> or um, is it more of a, um, a free-flowing type? I have watched videos of a child now and, like, you know, people send me Instagram videos and shit, and it's a video of, like, a kid just kind of, like, casually lying. And I'm just like, oh, my God, the first time that kid lies to me, I'm going to be so fucking angry at this kid. Right. Like, how dare you lie to me, motherfucker? You motherfucker. How goddamn dare you? Um, so, yes, that will be a thing. But I, I do know it's a child. I am not I'm not going to, you know, it, it is it is in some ways a chance to to do the things I wish had been done for me as a, exactly. a young boy with a, a with an adult male as a, a role model and to, to teach uh, uh, things that I had to learn by myself. I get to give that knowledge to someone. And that's kind of exciting to me, you know, like I don't, I could raise a not piece of shit person and that's pretty exciting, you know, and that's always been a thing I've always hated is uh, bullying and being a uh, people using their station and their power to fuck with other people and treat a waitress badly. And I've never not been a person to say, fuck that shit. Who do you think you are? Fuck this. And I can never not speak up. And I'm I'm hoping like my son's a little taller and stronger than me, and he can do it a little more uh, positive without worrying about his uh, physical uh, repercussions as maybe you have to. But like I don't know, I, I'd like to think I could raise a kid that's going to be good and and positive to the world and a real change. Chad, in other words, a Chad like a hanging Chad. 
<laughs> yeah, basically that's what people tell themselves when they find themselves um, becoming a parent. So yeah, I mean all of that checks out. Um, but are you not buying it, Jenny? Or are you just calling bullshit on all that? Based well, on I mean, I, I'm, I'm not saying I can like, do it. I'm just saying I at least it gives me is, an opportunity to try. The, right, right. To, to, and at the very least, to do the things I wasn't weren't offered to me in terms of a, a male like role model. And I'm like hoping that I could do that. Like, and if it, if it turns out well, great. If it doesn't, at least I tried. I can't say every, people tried with me, but I can say I fucking tried. Mm. Well, look, look at it this way, Rock. It, and, and in the process and, and the uh, uh, attempt at least uh, of being a good parent to your child, you can think of it as an opportunity to reparent yourself. Yeah, I mean, isn't that, listen, great, isn't that a great Oprah Gale kind of quote? You I know? just one of my biggest like pet peeves in, in life is as un people who are not present, and mm. I'm always I will be present. I'm a very present person. I'm very um, empathetic. <clears throat> I'm so empathetic. It's pathetic. I think um, <laughs> pathetic that I am I am so aware of people's emotions and what, what's happening in rooms I'm in and the lack of people being aware of those things. When I'm in, like I'm saying, like I'm in a room with the band and shit, and I'm almost like watching these people these adult men and they have no idea they're not paying attention to social cues and stuff like that and it drives me crazy in some ways so i feel like a lot of people are like that but i'm overly i'm a, a overloaded with it hyper vigilant i guess you could say in some ways with that stuff. yeah and uh i don't know just so just being that like i said i could just try right i don't know what these i don't know what this little motherfucker is gonna be like <clears throat> might suck i don't know man but might i'm gonna try suck. at least i'm at least hopefully i could go i tried you know like i have yeah. cats when i raised my cats uh, when they die i'm always like you always get guilt when anyone dies right you're always like i should have done more i could have been better i could have held them more and whatever and then people always come to you and they say no nah, you did good and i'm like i do realize that and when my cats die i do know that they had the best life they could have had right so hopefully i could like give a fucking little piece of shit a fucking chance to have a guy <laughs> fucking paying attention to his dumb ass when he's doing dumb shit, right? Give a little piece of shit a fucking chance, won't you? Well, I mean, at least hopefully, I wonder, I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. What else you got? <laughs> well, you guys are about to go on tour, right? Yeah, we got a little weekender uh, coming up. Okay. Where, uh, where, where can the people see you? Um, where can the people find you? Um, Google Maps, you could use to find me. <laughs> Mm. The local police station. <laughs> you can find pictures of me at the at the post office. Is that even <laughs> is that even a thing anymore? Yeah, um, most wanted. Which yeah, um, yeah which which local police department should we? Uh, mm. Which website should we go on to find your uh, mugshot? I'm in Richmond, Virginia, right now, <laughs> motherfucker. I'm coming for you. <laughs> Gonna gut God you like it. a fucking <laughs> sow. Climbing central bar. Uh, shit oh, me man. out. Um, <laughs> as I look onto my uh, Instagram to look at the dates, I could tell people since some of the people listening might be in the areas I'm going to. They much, might be. I, yes. I they wonder. Need to show up. Uh, I wonder if this is why you uh, guys asked me on to do this show. Well, I mean, you've been on the list for a hot minute uh, for interviews, but yeah, I mean, we saw an opportunity with the man's tour. I appreciate that. That's very sweet of you. I mean. On a show that once brought me, like, taught me what the poop knife was, and mm, exactly, I, about, I know. Where do you keep your poop knife, by the way? Up my ass. 
<laughs> oh, yeah. Why well, wow. fucking have to look for it? It's right there. Okay. Just pull it out. Okay. Scrape it out. Yeah. Um, what else did we have on this show? Some of my favorite moments of the show. Porn in the Woods was Justin's great one. Uh, mm-hmm. I once had found porn, there's porn in the woods behind my old uh, my my friend Doug Bannon. There was a little uh, Krausers that would throw it out the canal behind the uh, Parkway, New Jersey. And my friend Doug Bannon and I found this stack of mags. And uh, in the, I think we were in like fourth grade. And my friend Doug uh, laid down the centerfold, pulled out his wiener, and laid on top <gasps> of the centerfold. <laughs> in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, oh boy. I mean, I didn't see much. I mean, there was more bush than a topiary garden on his body, but um, and a you know, fourth grade dick. But he did just lay on top of it and just kind of sit there. And I'm like, he's like, am I doing it? I'm like, I don't know, dude. What the am fuck? I doing it? <laughs> I'm, I'm, at I'm looking at a yeah, I'm looking at a chick with a fucking flying V guitar and a like fucking want pink hair, and he's humping a goddamn wet magazine that was in a, a Ziploc bag in a tree. Can we go back to taking the McDonald's uh, styrofoam wrappers and lighting them on fire and pushing them down the canal? This is way too fucking complicated for me, dude. I don't want to fuck a magazine, man. But, yeah, good guy, Doug Bannon. He was a sweet guy. Um, Sounds like it, yeah. Yeah. And uh, what else was a good moment on this show? Matt and his uh, workplace accidents. That was a good one. Oh, God. Well, you could talk to Tom Deep Dive. Oh, yeah, I know this shit. I know this shit. I mean... I don't know my workplace accident story. I guess I broke my ankle down the shore once, and I went to work with a broken ankle. It's the second time I broke my ankle. I broke my heel. I was going to say, time. was this the, the same uh, broken ankle from your uh, falling off a mountain? No, I jumped off of a, a, a house. Um, I got you. We were down at the Jersey Shore. Um, <laughs> we are down the Jersey Shore. We As did, you like, do at Jersey. <laughs> we did, like, I don't know. I think my friend Dan brought, like, nine grams of Coke with us, and we went down. We did a lot. We partied all weekend. It was a fucking shit show. Um, Nine grams of coke. Is that's this a lot. Two people. I was about to say. Um, no, no. There was like uh, seven or eight of us there. Uh, okay. Um, okay. I, was like, I mean, we did one on the way down. I, so, I, you uh, know, it's been a while. I, I'm, not, I'm not so up on my cocaine math, probably as you are, but it <laughs> seems like a lot for two people. Nine yes. Grams. I remember the, the guy's face when we bought it was like, huh? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be a lot. Gonna clean me out. <coughs> Excuse me. Holy shit. I apologize. But we went down. We parted all weekend. We were on the second floor. The the top of the, the second floor was just the balcony, right? So the the roof yeah. was barely pitched. It was like a balcony for most of it. And we're hanging out. We're partying. And uh, there was this was a high wrestling time. And my friend Grubbis um, was was kneeling over to do something. Grubbis? And I did a Grubbis. Yeah. Um, Grubbis. Uh, his name is Reginald, but uh, he successfully didn't have a job for like 10 years and just was able to successfully didn't have a job, <laughs> yes, yes, successfully unemployed. Yes, I, I mean, he was one of the most charming, not have a job. he was one of the most charming men in the world that he literally didn't need a job and he had food, cl- new clothes, uh, drugs, whatever you needed. He, whatever he, yeah. a human needed, he always had a place to sleep and didn't ever have to work. He was just grubbus, that's why we called him grubbus because he would grub, but he was also charming. And he's like a he's a he works at, I think he works at Oxford right now actually he's a really smart guy. Anyway, um, he was kneeling down and I jumped off the picnic table and gave him a leg drop on the back of his neck. Uh, oh. This proceeded to smash his face into the ground and ripped his eyelid almost off. Right, oh, um, it stayed on, but it took like the top layer off. He got up; it's Oof. bleeding. Everyone starts screaming and freaking out. He's like, "What did you do to me?" And this guy's like my best friend at the time in the whole world. 
And he's like, what did you do to me? I'm like, oh, shit. And I thought it'd be funny in my brain. I don't know where the fuck I am. We're all geeked up. I ran and I jumped onto the balcony and just jumped. I didn't know where I was. I kind of maybe thought I was on the ground floor. I don't fucking know. I was barefoot. And I just jumped off and I landed and I broke my fucking heel, right? And I passed the fuck out. And apparently the, <laughs> the guy next door saw this and was like, I'm calling the cops, right? <laughs> he calls yeah. the cops. They, my friends just left me outside because of the abomination, the the act of unspeakable, the unspeakable acts I had perpetrated. And I just like, whoa, I just, I showed up, I walk inside and all my friends are sitting there and I'm like, what the fuck guys? That was, and I look and there's a cop in the house because they had called the cops and the cop is literally holding my weed and going, I don't know whose weed this is. And I don't know why that guy's bleeding and won't tell me why. <laughs> Uh, my friend Grubbis is a black man, and this is all white dudes at this party. So there's a black man bleeding, seven white dudes not saying what happened, and the black dudes not telling anyone what happened. And I'm just not like, a good look. This is a fucked up situation. Holy fuck. Um, the cop was like, You guys, I'm, I'm going to be back in an hour. If you're here, you're all going to jail. And uh, um, uh, we uh, packed up our shit and uh, got out of Dodge. And uh, I had a broken uh, heel, fractured heel, and a uh, broken uh, bones in my foot. And I didn't want to admit it to anyone. So I went to work the next day, and I was in so much pain. Um, a friend of mine, Nick, who was a strange dude who once got me to get – he asked me to get crack once, and I went with him. He told me he wanted to talk to his girlfriend. And I was like, okay, I'll drive you to your girlfriend's house. This is right by Giant Stadium, uh, where I believe Jenny, you were uh, a couple of years ago. I was right there and he's like, yeah, let me go. I got to go talk to my girl. And he comes, he's in there for a while. He comes back out and he's like, go to this car wash. I want to, I want to go to the car wash. I'll pay for you to get a car wash. I'm like, I have a rusty, dusty Plymouth Dodge. And uh, he just starts smoking crack. I'm like, oh, you just bought crack at that place? He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bought crack at that fucking place. I'm like, what did you tell me? It's your girlfriend's house. I was like, I have a date tonight with this girl that I had just met. Her name was Sarah Fogarty. She worked at the bank by me. It was our like second date. We were going out to dinner. He's like, you want to smoke some fucking crack? I'm like, I'll smoke some crack in this fucking <laughs> laundry on this uh, uh, fucking goddamn car wash. And uh, I drop him off at home, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I am cracked out of my mind. I got to go on a date. So I fucking put on some nice clothes. I go out to eat with this girl, and I'm just like, um, I'll have like a, a crazy salad maybe. <laughs> fucking push, push this. <laughs> Push the tomato around on a plate for like a minute. She's like, are you okay? I'm like sweating profusely. And anyway, I was working with this I was kid. nervous for our date, so I just smoked some crap. Yeah, maybe not. That was ridiculous. I met her brother years later at a job I was at, and he told me his sister was uptight. I'm like, yeah, she was real uptight that time I showed up at our date. Cracked out of my mind. Um, <laughs> what a fucking... Like a there was no third date, I assume. Oh uh, no, 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 I'm a charming man. What do you want from me? I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah. I made it work. I made it work. I just didn't. Um, I love how your stories start out as one thing like, uh, can you give me a ride somewhere? I got to go talk to my girlfriend. Or whatever. It's like, so we bought some crack and I did a bunch of crack before my date. And then we got held up by these guys and drove off and I ripped one of their arms off. And <laughs> Like Alex Baldwin, date, so. Alex yeah. Baldwin said in 30 Rock, you never go to a second location with a hippie. With a, yeah, <laughs> fucking, not. Or a fucking weird metalhead from New Jersey. But anyway, that kid was working me with the day I broke my ankle. And he goes, all right, bro, here. And he gives me a bump. And it was he's like, yo, it's dope. I'm like, oh, shit. So I did like this little bump of heroin. And I turned pale white. 
and everyone thought I was about to die. And they said, you should just go home. And I'm like, I'm going to go home, guys. I don't feel so good. And I didn't look good because I just done a bump of heroin. And I was pale and fucking ghostly. <laughs> and uh, I just drove home and I dealt with it. And my, I eventually was like, I think I got to go to this uh, Medi Center and get some fucking uh, pills. And then I get a broken heel and we can't do anything for that unless you want to get an air cast. So I'm like, well, I got to work right now. Can't not work. So I just, you know, got some Percocets and dealt with it. And. You know, it took like a couple days extra off, and uh, yeah. Uh, so now yeah, that was. With a limp, so it all. I mean, I know when it's gonna rain and fucking Tulsa. Say, like, <laughs> is your body just wrapped with pain? You look, you're like these... Sabu. What? Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why he's my favorite wrestler of all time. I'll tell you about the time one other another day when I tried to. We were doing a backyard wrestling match, and I wanted to figure out how to gig myself, and I almost fucking died in my bed. But uh, I woke up with a a pillow. I took my belt and a pillow and I tied the belt around my fucking head with the pillow and bled into it because I was a fucking idiot and I was fucked up. And I was like, I'm going to blade. I'm going to learn how to do it because we're doing a backyard wrestling match. And it was like a big backyard wrestling match. It was at this big beer pong tournament in William Patterson College. And it was like there was hundreds of people there. And we were going to be the match before the finals of the beer pong tournament. This was like a thousand dollar beer pong. Tournament. It was a big thing. It was a big party house. Same house. My friend Grubbis. So I wrestled my friend Grubbis at this show. And that was another story. We were high on ecstasy. That was that was more fun. We just did a bunch of ecstasy and wrestled in the backyard and jumped off ladders. But a couple of weeks before, I'm like, I'm gonna blade in this match. My friend's like, Don't blade, don't blade. I'm like, I got it, bro. And but then that that night, I drove home and I'm like, I did the little fucking, I gicked it, nicked it, and I just went, Oh no, <laughs> like <laughs> it just like my forehead just opened and I saw white and then just red just started pouring out of oh, it. Oh shit. Oh no. And I was like, Fuck, holy shit. So I just. I didn't know what to do. It was just nonstop. And I just, I literally, I took a, I pushed it together. I put like tape on it. And then I took a pillow and just took the belt and tied it. And I was like, well, I got to fall asleep sometime. I woke up, got up the next morning. I threw the pillow out. I fucking threw the fucking, I put garbage bags underneath the fucking, uh, uh, the sheets and shit. So the mattress didn't get fucked up with the sheets and everything. So I just, of course, the only garbage bags in my house were clear. So I had to go into a dumpster and throw bloody fucking mm -hmm. linen into the fucking dumpster <laughs> the next morning. At the fucking Poo Poo Inn, which is the Chinese restaurant uh, uh, around the corner from my house, which the only thing they sold was a Poo Poo platter, which is essentially an appetizer platter. Oh, um, I'm very fond of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I forget what I was going at with that. Oh, Sabu, I'm sure yes. there were plenty I, of I, bloody sheets in the Poo Poo so Inn. I do love In other words, you woke up covered in blood, basically. Yeah, yeah, it was a mess, and I, I dried blood walk. by that point. But I everything crawled to was my, just... I, crawl, I crawled to my refrigerator and just drank all the orange juice, and uh, showed up at my girlfriend, the same girlfriend with the the windshield. Oh, poor Valerie, um, <laughs> uh, showed up at her house with a baseball hat on because uh -huh. I wore baseball hats at the time. Sure, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, what's up? It's like, uh, why are you wearing a baseball? Hat? I'm like, that. Nah, don't worry about it. <clears throat> fucking hole in my head is all yeah so i mean that's a little darker of a story because it was alone it wasn't much of a party but uh the, the wrestling match was good it's on video you can watch it that's high next to see the cops came because little uh children were watching and started fucking each other up and anyway <laughs> oh. uh the you asked me uh when we're playing <laughs> yes, uh, yes. yes eight, please way to bring it back thursday may 18th i will be in east haven connecticut at the beer racks which is a uh, brewery collective where they are a brewery they have food trucks and like uh, vendors there it's a really cool thing the all these shows are with my boys from uh boston uh, drive-by bukkake really good friends okay. of mine set up the whole thing i hate uh, a drive-by bukkake I, I you know I, like, oh, I love it so 
no, I, I like to be held, you know. Am I the... You know, I like the more the drive by part than the bukkake. It, it really, it's so impersonal. Yeah, I mean the the velocity. It's it's either velocity or viscosity. How do you like your cum? Mm. Yeah, um, I like it in my mouth. Uh, the May nineteenth, which is a Friday, uh, we are in Brattleboro, Vermont, at the Stone Church, which was a really cool uh, venue. It's an actual old church that they can bet, uh, converted into a uh, venue. Uh, that should be really fun. I believe Eric Eels, our friend, might uh, show up to that one. Ah. Um, we will be in Lowell, Massachusetts. Get on Eric May... on stage. I'm just saying. Oh, just my God. Do that. No, I'm, just, I'll do whatever I want. I'm excited, I'm excited to see him. I'm never, Give him uh... a drive-by Bukaki, please. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Your first show. Um, uh, May 20th is a Saturday. We'll be in Lowell, Massachusetts at the Worthen, which is a attic venue in a really old, like, 100-year-old building. And uh, it's a really cool spot. Um, and then the Sunday, May 21st, in uh, uh, the uh, Consigliere, Justin Rosero's hometown of uh, Providence, Rhode Island, at a place called Dusk. It's a very legendary uh, metal venue. Uh, we'll be doing hey. a matinee show there on a Sunday. So it's going to be a really fun weekend. Um, I only have uh, about an hour and a half between spots, so my car sickness will not wreck me and my asshole like it normally does. So mm. I'm uh, pretty excited. Are you going to be drinking the uh, the Commodium AD to shut your whole system down? To, <laughs> um, you do know my secret. Uh, by the way, it was really nice to meet you tonight, Tim. I, it was really nice to mm. finally meet you. Uh, yeah, no you do problem. know my secret of commoding uh, up. Um, I'm I'm worried I may have uh, damaged myself irreparably with the Commodium oh, really? AD. So um, I've been doing more of like a, just Tums, a little Tums Witch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, popping those. But the, the Imodium will play into this weekend for sure. Absolutely. Excellent. I love to hear it. Wow. I mean, um, I, I hesitate to ask one final question, <laughs> Jenny. Um, do you because I think it's one that, that, um, you would, you would hesitate to hear the answer to. Um, and I would as well to a certain extent, but Rocco, I would come like this far, to, babe. Yeah. I, I would like to like you to explain if you can, um, what is the deal with New Jersey? <laughs> um, New Jersey is the greatest state in the union. Um, okay. Everything cool can be tied back to New Jersey in some way, as you've discovered. When I Why, though? <laughs> Why is that? All right. Well, I mean, it's drugs, I think, is the answer. Well, we well, do have great drugs. We have a plethora of drugs. I mean, we have Ice-T, Shaquille O'Neal, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> we have all the cool people come from here. Uh -huh. um, I just think it's a place. It's a, it's a, it, we have a lot of uh, beach and we have a lot of coast so we are a place that sure. immigrants would come to and we have right, right by ellis island so we have a lot of diversity and cool people that come here and so you know it, there's a lot of uh the arts are celebrated here and uh, we just have i don't know it it's it's so centrally located because you could live in the suburbs you could you could work in the city the greatest city in the world the city that people die to come live in is I grew up 20 minutes away from, well, it's like 15 minutes away from there, you know? So I could do that, go home at five in the morning, crash at my house in, uh, it, was, it was a nice, normal place. But where I live now, I could get there in 30 minutes and I live in the middle of the woods. Or I could drive an hour south and be at the Jersey Shore. Or I could drive an hour north and be in the, the most beautiful mountain range, the Appalachian Mountains. You know, like it's just a perfectly located place. And, uh, uh there's just a lot of art and there's a lot of commerce and a lot of cool shit 
And uh, I don't know why it rules, but uh, I have some, I have a lot of pride and I see a lot of people who don't love where they live and I feel bad for them, but uh, I fucking love it, man. And I think everyone uh, can dig it. Hmm. I mean, I was a young walking priapism and I was able to live a life. <laughs> what? A walking priapism. Well, you know, um, the cure for that is you got you got a hump of wet magazine. And, uh, <laughs> they'll take, take care of that for you when you're still in young. In the woods. Yeah, yeah, or just watch woods. Doug Madden hump of a wet magazine. Get a or staple in his fucking wounds, right? Yeah, well, that doesn't help your dick, but it does make you horny. But yeah, like I was able to do that and do everything I wanted to. And now I could be like a, a more chill dude who lives, you know, five minutes from a goddamn lake and a mountain range. And also, if I want to go watch a show at Brooklyn and watch some death metal in uh, towns by me, I can. And I just think it, I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, I don't know if you wanted me to just aggrandize my uh, home stage more than I usually do, but I'm, I'm going to basically do giving you an opportunity to do so. And it just it rules, man. Uh, yeah. And anyone that complains about their home state, like I don't know, move Get the fuck out. Don't be a bitch. Well, I'm from Alabama, so I feel like I'm justified in any complaints that I have for my home. <laughs> justified state. in any complaints. Uh, we're not all lucky enough to be from New Jersey. Uh, that is true. Like you, I was blessed. I mean, I was a, a little speck of uh, dirt uh, that landed up here. Yeah, New Jack has justifiable homicides, and you have justifiable Alabama residency. So. Oh, no. mm. Not anymore. Which I, but, and well, also which I direct, said should qualify as a disability, right, Jenny? Sure. I, mean, I mean, that's what I've been told. Uh, I, I found that quite offensive because I, I, mean, I feel like that says something about me. But um, well, I mean, what it is, not my is fault. You, you only get the disability benefit, though, if you leave, which you did. If you overcome so, it. So If you overcome your disability, yes, then you get benefits. <laughs> you can't undercome. I'm just you can't undercome. Benefit. You have to overcome. Uh, yeah, there are just certain states do. where I think there are certain states where I think if you overachieve, you should somehow be rewarded for it. Like West Virginia, right? That's another one. <laughs> oh, fully. Yeah. When I worked at Barnes and Noble, I, there. I worked at Barnes and Noble, and the only place that there wasn't a Barnes and Noble was West Virginia. Where, <laughs> and I asked the, I asked the, like the, the, the general manager, he's like, "You ever been there?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Well, you'd know if you went." And I was like, "All right." <laughs> I feel like that's accurate. Amazing. I mean, John no Dever wrote a really great song about it, but Bruce Springsteen went, went, wrote way better songs about New Jersey. John no Dever's bullshit, man. West Virginia. But look, at this by the by the same token. Actually, there was a Barnes and Noble, but no one knew what it was. Like, no one knew what it was. <laughs> Just a warehouse or something. What's that place with all that kindling in it? What's that big flop house over there. Um, I think if you're from a very uh, privileged state, like uh, like the great garden state of, of New Jersey, you should have to pay some kind of stipend because it's well, just we, unfair. We, it's unfair we, that you we should. allow you people to know how okay. cool to know the coolest person <laughs> to enjoy the fruits of listen. The, the place to be couldn't meet anywhere else for the first time, but they had to come to New Jersey just to do mm. it because mm. it was the only oh. state cool enough to like try to even like be nerdified by those guys. <laughs> Nerdified. <laughs> That's terrible. But yeah. Wow. Is that enough? Did I explain New Jersey in a nutshell to you? It's a beautiful state. I guess I get it. I we guess got I Jack Nicholson. It. We got Bruce. Got Bruce. Yeah, got Bruce. Got, got it all. Fuck Bruce, but okay. Got I mean Ooh. emo was created uh 
Well, emo was perfected in New Jersey. Not my favorite genre of music, but a lot of people like it. I mean, well, death metal and extreme metal, the thing I love, does come, there's a whole deep history of that in New Jersey as well. So, and there's. It all goes back there. It's it just does, it all ridiculous. Goes back, yeah. Maxwell's and Hoboken, like the amount of legendary bands, like the Yellow Tango and uh, Sonic Youth has members from New Jersey. This guy I used to work with, Bob Burt, is the original drummer of uh, Sonic Youth. You know, great athletes. Michael Strahan. Well, look, I, I mentioned uh, The Last Drive-In, which you got to get your, your filmography on. Mm-hmm. We learned it's a uh, filmed in New Jersey. So. Correct. That is what the hell? Yeah. Just, it's right there. Do it. I'm down, bro. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Joe Bob right Let's now with some DVDs. I'll get Let's the DVDs. Right yeah. <laughs> just a catalog will... of DVDs. Be like, look, just come on. Just play it. <laughs> hey. Mm. All right, that's All right. our goal. We got to get Rocco on to Joe Bob's show. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, my I film like it's doable. My film history get is Jesus uh, the douchebag on. That's the all next I want. Of, the total douchebag. Uh, the total. Douche. The total douchebag. Excuse me. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love how he's the total douche. It's not enough that he's a douchebag. I played not Peter, but my name was Reed Peter. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for the record, the, the storyline of that is that uh, <laughs> uh, when God makes Jesus, uh, Jesus comes out of the Mary's vagina, and uh, bad Jesus comes out of Mary's asshole. For the record. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. There you go. So, all right. Yeah, we just lost everybody. No, no, no not all. <laughs> not our audience. Save that for not the end. All. Save that for the yeah, end. It's... No one's listening to this anymore. No one. <laughs> I promise you, they are. They uh... checked out it the first time. I did crack. <laughs> listening to not our movie. listeners come on we, we have <laughs> people who listen to this show are very they're sophisticated tough they've been through some shit they're they're, they're tough they're yeah tough. Oh, i've heard okay. it all well i'm not sure we'd have. come out of the gate with this one but <laughs> after this many shows they they know what to I, i'll put it in the write-up so they know what to expect <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll be like sunflowers and rainbows and unicorns and mm-hmm. they, they'll know what they yeah yeah, and and and, uh, and snorting crap and snorting uh, snake venom and a hippie's right. van one day in uh, 1999. So you're a metal rock star. You're uh you're a movie star, mm-hmm. and now you're a podcast star. So oh, I feel like that's trifecta. Um, I'm a multifaceted man. Um, you know, a writer, um, a writer of of uh you know many articles and magazines. Just oh, that's true. I have a kind I, of a. I've, written words and uh, stuff that has been pu- uh, published makes me sick honestly yeah what are we even doing here yeah, what are we like even this? doing and now i'm just ossifying and turning to like bone and ossifying yeah, yeah. stagnant i'm not a you're gonna be a parent now so all the cool stuff yeah everyone's you, like, so yeah, that's yeah good. at least you're, at least you're gonna good. be a parent so lame. it's good that yeah. you got that out of the way come see change of the dead this weekend because next weekend this weekend when you hear this i'm assuming it's be it because <laughs> it's, it's a fucking final hurrah uh, wow! Guns are blazing. Uh, Bonnie yeah. and Clyde, Thelma uh, and Louise, we're, we're going off the side of the mountain. Or just me and my youth. Well, try not to break an ankle this time. That's true. And bring some. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same one both fucking times, too. So fucking annoying. Ah. Uh. All right, Jenny. All right, I'll, try, I'll try to land on a stalactite and just right up my ass. Yeah. Right up my mouth. Cannibal right up the, the, right up the ass. Right up the ass. Mm-hmm. GI Tract Destruction, well, which is our, the off, new band that we're going to start together, the three of us. GI Tract Destruction. G- oh, okay, I got you. 
But um, can you use this the the stalactite as a as a poop knife if it breaks off? <laughs> <the middle? laughs> I've had liquid shit since I was like nineteen, so I don't even know uh, that. Shit. No need for the poop knife. No, 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 no. There's not been a nugget in that shit for a long time. <laughs> I did one yeah. shit into my pants taking a shit against the tree on my work break, and that was a that was a low point in my life. Wait, anyway. say that again. You, you shit in your <laughs> pants while trying to take a shit at work. Uh, my my break. The tree. My work break, I would go to this park and like read a magazine and and eat like my like a slice of pizza and kill a tall boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, the park was like you know like ten minutes from my job, five minutes from my house. And I was like, "Fuck, I got a shit." There's no bathroom in this park, so I pulled down my shorts, which were like athletic shorts, and my boxers. And I imagine me as uh, you know uh, Whistler's mother. I'm sitting, but like <laughs> my back against the tree. But I guess I didn't pull my feet out further far enough. <laughs> Oh, so I literally no. just shat right into the boxer and <laughs> and short yeah. combination. Um, yeah. They were wrecked, so I had to <laughs> I had to man- maneuver my feet and sneakers. I took my I kicked my sneakers off so they wouldn't get shot on them, and I maneuvered my feet out. I left the I left the uh, the boxers and the the underwear the underwear and the and the, and the athletic shorts there, and I slid out. And I was wearing a t-shirt and a uh, flannel or a, a plaid shirt at the time. And I was like, fuck, I got to get out of here. So I popped my feet in my shoes and put the socks in my ba- in my uh, hands. And I was like, fuck, a dick and my ass are out. So I took, the fl- <laughs> I took the flannel and I had to make the decision. Do I run through this park to my car, dick flapping or ass showing? So I figured he chose I, ass, please. No, I figured if I did <sighs> dick flapping, I could hold my hands there and dangle the fucking sleeves over my cock. So mm. I did that. I ran Lauren to my car. Style. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So I ran that way. And I figured I figured I could avoid people from the front, but I can't avoid people from the back. So I'm going a mm. very circumventional fucking clandestine way to get to my car. I jump in my car and then I'm like, oh, you're a Byzantine. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta, you gotta slip it in there. You had to slip it in there. So I had to go home. And, uh, of course, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hirsch, who were like 80-year-old people who had uh, – they were old and fragile people who had to be uh, tending to their garden, which my neighbors at the time were there. And I just had to book uh, straight into my house, put on pants, and go back to work. And leave, uh, so somebody somewhere in Brookdale Park in New Jersey in, like, 1996 found a pair of Umbro shorts and boxers. <laughs> That were filled to the brim with feces, with just completely loquacious feces, um, just in the rose garden. It was at the bottom of the rose garden. This was a very common place. Kids, oh, wow. kids, kids, kids would go sledding at this place. The rose garden was on top, and I, I should have uh, right at the top where the roses were. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> And the worst part of it was, I left my Entertainment Weekly at the side of the <laughs> Oh, no. Yeah. And I didn't even get to the article that I probably wanted to read. I didn't get yeah. to hear Owen Gleiberman talk about fucking uh, The Matrix. Or, no, it's not You didn't get to hear about all the uh, cast changes on uh, ER. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was probably more, uh, more uh, contemporaneous to what was on in that magazine. But yeah, I don't know how that came up. Is, uh, is that the last time you shit your pants as an adult? Uh, that was the last time I shit... <laughs> Because if it wasn't, I'd like to know when it was. Does it count? Do we need what? two of these? <laughs> was was I an adult an hour and a half ago? Then no. Yep. Um, no, then no. no well, if it's the you've most done this whole episode with shit in your pants, is that with, what you're with saying? I'm just saying, like, I didn't check to see if it was shit. 
I just took my underwear <laughs> off and threw them in the garbage. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's what you got to do. <laughs> like my son in the second grade. <laughs> Good luck. That. That's why you're I always gonna, keep a, You're going to look forward to that shit. I always keep a fire going in the backyard to just burn all evidence of anything that happens. So, yeah, I just throw. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, New Jersey is on fire constantly. So I get it. You talking about there. <laughs> well, I guess there is a little. Eh, never <laughs> what about the Jersey wow. Devil? Have you seen that? I have not. The Leeds uh, family, uh, the 13th yeah. son of, 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 yeah. of Mary Leeds. I have not. Yeah. Um, that's an area of New Jersey. Maybe that's... you are the Jersey Devil, sir. Mm. Oh Jesus! Maybe the yeah. maybe the <laughs> the title of this episode will be called the Jersey oh, Devil. <laughs> Interview with the Jersey Devil. If I feel if I had wings and cloven hooves, I wouldn't have broken my ankle two times in within a <laughs> two years span. You uh, do have a cloven hoof now. I do. I look like a goddamn fucking. Bound Chinese women. I think it's the the way you walked after you uh, shit in your pants at the park it made it look like you were walking on cloven hooves. Yeah. Just, for wrestling yeah. purists, I looked like Cody Rhodes walking, doing his little ba dump ba dump walk away from yes. the at the paper. You do that. Yeah, that's the sound that I heard in my head as I ran away. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, none of this is coming out. So. <laughs> this will not last long on the feet. Oh my god! <laughs> Might have to be re-released on uh, 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 No So. In, in oh, many shit. years, you're gonna have to revive uh, the Jenny position on its own. <laughs> <laughs> One time only. Disclaimer: Trigger warnings. <laughs> too hot for Tuesday or whatever. <laughs> Somebody's oh, listening to this on their morning drive. Like, uh, oh my, eating a sandwich. Um, well, uh, clutching pearls with Tim and uh, Jennifer. Clutching oh. pearls. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what we do best. Uh, yeah. Bukaki <laughs> pearls, though, certainly. Oh, the best kind. Glistening in the sun. But if you're around uh, any of these dates that Rocco mentioned in any of these cities, Go see the band and, you know, shit on a tree or something. I don't know. Mm, yeah. Um, Buy me a beer, hang out. I'd love to uh, meet, greet, and uh, defeat. <laughs> I was going to say defecate. Defecate on your feet. <laughs> like I defecated on my own feet that one time. <laughs> me and Tim, I'll tell one story real quick. Me and Tim once bonded over the fact that we once both had a globule of shit come out of our ass at a young age. Uh-huh. We both used uh-huh. the word globule at similar times. We both used independently. That was early in your romance, I do. It was yeah. early in our relationship. It's yes, what bonds you quickly. independently quick. used the word globule. So. I'm, yes. a very, I'm a very passionate person when it comes to my friendships. I, mm-hmm. I bond quickly with people. I have no problem telling them I care about them, and I think they're awesome. And uh, when a guy tells you a globule shit come out of his ass, I was checking an answering yeah. machine message. He was uh, trying to uh, do the a nutcracker suite for his father and impress him at the time. And uh, <laughs> Something like that. Similar things, but um, my girlfriend saw it come out of my ass. Her, his dad saw it come out of his ass. And, uh, you know, how do you not become friends after something like that? Well, it's more of the aftermath that he saw, which I denied and continue to deny to this day. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you talk about a kid lying, you want to talk about a kid lying and, and a parent being infuriated. You're going to be my dad when I lied to his face about shitting on the floor. <laughs> I mean, you didn't actually 
the person that you were literally had just had sex with did not see that come out of your asshole. So I, exactly. I think both of them are, are rough. Yeah, probably. But, so. Mine more so awkward. Um, I mean, I got to have mine. But equally impossible to get out of because who else could have done it, right? I mean, right. I mean, I just told my girlfriend at the time, you do a fucking eight ball and drink 12 beers the night before we hang yeah. out and you not shit on the floor. I mean, it's, it's, what it's cut with laxative anyway, right? So that's what they say. That's what they say. Things make a lot more sense then. If you mm-hmm. say that yeah. way. I mean, I wasn't at nine years old up doing coke all night, but I did have a bad breakfast. So <laughs> kind of. I mean, sunny side up, down. Yeah, six one boiled. half dozen of the other. I guess. <laughs> um. I keep thinking of a way to end this interview, and uh, we always come, come back to shit. Well, yeah. I feel like I feel like I feel like two out of three, and it's the same meatloaf. So uh, the third person should tell about the time they shit themselves. Mm-hmm. When's the last yeah, time? Yeah, no, we're not doing it. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm a lady. I'm, I'm you don't a southern lady. Uh, no, you do not never in my life. I don't know what you're no. talking about. You don't no. do that. That's, That's why I find these stories so delightful. They're just completely unrelatable. It's like a science fiction. It's like why I like Gilmore Girls. Yeah, it's, it's a science fiction to me. Like, absolute fairy tales. I mean, <laughs> there is. I mean, I know the whole women don't shit joke kind of thing, but there really is something to the absolute savagery of men and the like oh, shitting atrocities yeah. that they commit that you really don't find with most women. Like, sorry, right, Jennifer, most oh, women, God. how many stories of shitting outside can most women have? Because I have at least a hundred. <laughs> no way. No way. I recently went on a girl's trip and we ended up doing the toilet stories and I'm like, this is a wrestling trip now. What are y'all doing? Yeah. All we're doing yeah. is talking about shitting and about y'all shitting. are not my guy friends so can we just like move on to makeup and periods now? Because like, <laughs> I'm disturbed. Were they, sto- were they stories about like your personal um regularity or were we talking like i had an accident kind of stories um i think there's a difference there was a mixture of those yeah. stories yeah yeah with guys i feel like it's 90 percent. man i shit myself last night you know like it's, <laughs> it was so much bad. pride so much pride oh um, yeah like as, the as girl an adult stories mm-hmm. are very tinged with embarrassment um, oh yeah, like, guys yeah I would not believe, none, none and that. you would only tell it to another, like to a girlfriend, right? Like right, you would not. Right. Yeah, men are just yeah. savages when it comes right. to this stuff. Uh, yeah, absolutely, because I mean, it happens. I guess it just happens with so, such frequency that you have to sort of. Yeah, what's know, going I mean, on with humbling. you guys? I'm worried about men in general. It, and their it's just I don't know. It's always a humbling experience when it happens, but it's sort of like you also have to tell someone. So I mean, it's a lot of poor it. eating habits too. I mean, I get I used to get very nervous before yeah. shows, and like you know, a lot of clubs' bathrooms aren't the coolest. I mean, some men's bathrooms don't even have doors on the stalls. Right, right. I remember right. one time at this place called the Torn Hat, I was shitting. They had they had no sto- they had stalls with no doors, and everything was wide open. And the door to get to the men's bathroom was open. Like it, there was no way to lock anything. And There's no privacy. Yeah, this was in West Orange. East Orange was a spot we would get blow at. Makes you have to shit. And uh, I was like, I can't, dude. I had, I gotta go. I went to go outside. Everything is lit up. I'm like, fuck. I went upstairs. 
I just, I had to do it. And some, some dude walks in and I'm squatting over a bowl, pure diarrhea. And he just goes, oh no, man, that ain't right. I got you, man. And he fucking put his foot against the door and he turned his back wow. and he, he kept his foot against the door so no one could walk in. And I was like, man, I really appreciate well, it. Well, I mean, that, that. And I said, hey, you solid, bro. I hope you gave him a blowy. I I said, oh, I said, hey, you want to do a key bump? He said, I sure do, man. uh, (laughs) We were good. We were good at that time. But yeah, like, dudes, like, I used to have to shit all the time at shows. I would, there used to be a Dunkin' Donuts at the place of Montclair we play at, and there was a little alley, and I was shitting that thing all the time. And like, (laughs) I would just wipe my ass with like a paper towel and just leave it. And it was like a place where people definitely like walk dogs and shit in the morning. But in the undercover of night, you ever have like a party outside and or go camping? Yeah. You go camping, you think everything's chill, right? You wake up in the morning, oh, you're like, "What the fuck happened here, man?" It was like fucking Branch Davidian in this goddamn campsite. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking dark out when you went to bed. You wake up, it's a fucking massacre. God, here comes the FBI. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And you're like, "Oh, nighttime hides all your fucking." Flaws. Oh shit! That's why I love the night. You know, you can do whatever you want, shit anywhere you want. <laughs> Like, I went shit outside see. of a bar, and the bartender went outside to her car, and she said she came back in. She's like, I slept in so much shit. And then she was really pissed. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, Tina. I was like, I've been shitting in that spot for fucking like six months, man. You got to put a fucking door on the damn stall. What are you doing? If you can't see anything below your waist, it's so dark. It must not exist. I mean, that's the rule. <laughs> There's nothing there. There's nothing to worry about. Yeah, nobody will ever see it. It's fine. No. I mean, if there's a nice little enclave that has zero light in it, like you can do whatever you want there, you know? I tried to pee on a girl once in that same spot and I couldn't do it. I sat there for an hour drinking water. Anyway. Um <laughs> What's up? Oh boy. Yeah. All right. Well All right. Well, um, Jenny's not gonna talk about her pooping, so I guess I'm definitely not. No. If she doesn't do it. She doesn't yeah, do it. I don't even know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> so, um, got a great lineup of shows look, to look forward to. I, um, I, I trust you will, uh, you'll shut your whole system down so Talking you won't slop. have any, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, no poop stories coming out of this. And, um, you got a kid a promo promo of, for of your a concert. Mm. It's a, it's a hell of a promo for, oh, you both, mean me? Um, yeah, to a promo for for go see Chain to the Dead and a promo for Parenthood, right? And shit. <laughs> yeah. Starring yeah. Steve Martin. Well, yes, do all three. Do all three. Have have kids, go to shows and and visit the Garden shit in alleyways. Visit yeah. New Jersey. Um we're a safe haven mm-hmm. for uh trans people. We got great mm-hmm. abortion rights. We're we're great, man. You can do anything you want here. Do all this stuff. Yeah, do all this stuff in New Jersey, please. Yeah. And we got cranberries. We got lots of cranberries. <laughs> oh, all right. The south, the southwest New Jersey. It's all cranberry balls. Wow. The, the Jersey Devil has zero in, uh, in, uh, uh, UTIs because he was, he lives where the cranberry balls are. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's the thing you don't know about him. Huh. <laughs> well, I learned a lot. A regular swamp monster. Well, thank I you for having me, guys. It's uh, it's nice to meet you, Tim. Finally, uh, Jenny. Is <laughs> uh, well, what about your podcasting ventures? Might as well um, mention those as well. I got kicked off the only podcast I did, so fuck it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, I I did a podcast that died. Um, 
because of me. I did a podcast with Justin about the movies. I did the first episode. That one didn't take. So if you want me on, this is probably going to be the last uh, Talk and Pop ever. That's the Maybe. worst plug I've ever heard. I am on the monthly Cronoso, which I love doing. We do a one. I do one match of a, a show where we go through the uh, the classic WWF timeline with a bunch of people uh, doing each match. And I believe Jenny's on there. Uh, I am. Lots of cool people on there. And uh, yeah, you could hear me uh, most recently talk about my love for uh, Sika, for <laughs> my hatred for Sika versus Jake the Snake Roberts, which involved a lot of mustard and made me want to fucking vomit the entire match. So. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it was gross. Also, you talked about uh, Anthony Bourdain on your oh, Pluto. I did a Pluto very recently with mm. this uh, chick who never poops. It was uh, about uh, Anthony Bourdain's show. I had a really fun time doing that one. That was great. That was a good one. You can find that here on the North-South Connection uh, in the archives. And uh, my shows like this one on Wednesdays here on on North-South Connection as well. And Tim, what you got going on? Oh, gosh. What do I have going on, Jenny? Well, a spinoff from this very network, the North-South Connection, is a little show called 9021-NOSO. started right here, but it has its own feed. It is me and JT Rosero going episode by episode through the classic Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, we're at about the midpoint of the second season now, Jenny, and uh, you joined us not too long ago. We have a Rocco. You've been on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um we will have both of you back uh, in short order, I am sure. But we have a guest joining us for each and every edition of that podcast. It's a lot of fun. And I feel like we're in a, a real groove right now where the, the show that we are covering, that is 90210, is really cooking with some of that season two goodness. We've hit some real milestones, um, some fan favorite episodes, and it's a blast doing that show. Uh, on our sister network place to be nation wrestling uh jenny you and i have a pair of wrestling podcasts that we do um as much as i infamously hate wrestling right <laughs> so we have uh ptb nxt with our friend jacob williams we're uh fast poop, approaching poop knife connoisseur jake williams. poop knife connoisseur from the bayou yes uh so covering nxt on the network era we're in uh, kind of midpoint of the year 20, what, 15, uh, coming up on a takeover here very shortly. Going to see Sami Zayn try to regain the NXT championship from Kevin Owens. So a lot of people really into the KO uh, Sami act right now on current television. You can see where it kind of all began in WWE years on PTV. And I NXT. thought those guys were friends. You thought those guys were friends. Well, they were they were friends and enemies, friends, Whoa. enemies again, frenemies at a certain point. I don't know. Like it's That's outrageous. It's a long and storied history, Rocco. I'm gonna tune in. And uh, check that out. You gotta tune in, and check it out, please. And uh we also, Jenny, have talking WCW with our pal Greg Phillips. Uh had a really cool episode drop quite recently, again, on Place Nation Wrestling about Roddy Piper's time and not just WCW proper, but some early Crockett stuff as well, which mm-hmm. we, uh, we are fully counting um, as eligible for that show. And uh, lastly, I uh, do a podcast on 
Blake's B Nation pop. It is called Traitors of the Lost Arcs. Those arcs being comics storylines and titles that have sort of been lost to time, forgotten, a little bit overlooked. You don't hear them talked about all that much. Look, it's just an excuse for us to talk old comics. Us being myself, Andy Atherton, Sean Kidd, and Scott Shiflett. So that's a monthly-ish podcast. The most recent episode of that was covering the first five issues of the very unusual Marvel series Power Pack from the mid-80s, which uh, got a little bit contentious, <laughs> if you have heard it. Uh, I had fun trying to keep those folks in line, but also letting them fight it out on that show, which I host slash referee. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I am at Psyche68CYKE68 on the Twitter. Um, I complain about people who complain about the good doctor. For the <laughs> you That's my Twitter career. <laughs> that um, me. I think that'll do it for me, Jenny. All righty. Thanks again, Rocco. Um, I think we'll probably post your um, tour schedule so that people can oh, okay. come out to see you in. I mean, I guess if you're, if you're listening to this, you can, you can uh, check out Canada the Dead on Bandcamp and listen to our music and there Facebook you go. and uh, Instagram and see pictures and like us and all that supports us way more than streaming or any of that stuff. But uh, yeah, that would be great. And also you could find me like Facebook messengering, doppelgangering Aaron George to many different <laughs> uh, podcasts across America constantly. Yeah. And Canada. Oh, okay. Canadian. Yes. Canadian. Which is a country I'm not allowed in. That's a story for a different day. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Talking Pop. We'll see you next time.